0: Welcome to Bible and Bourbon. Today we are studying Matthew chapter 19 verses 1 through 12, divorce. Today I am drinking my go-to, an old-fashioned made with Basil Hayden Kentucky Bourbon Whiskey. Our prayer request this week comes from a listener. I sent out an email update earlier this week to anyone who is subscribed to our email list about it. There is a listener whose son is going in for some fairly significant surgery, and they could use our prayer. So please keep them in your prayers this week. As always, before we jump into our study, let us begin with a prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for everything you've done in our lives. And we ask for you to especially be with that listener and his family as his son goes through that. very important and impactful surgery. We we pray for you to be with the hands of the surgeon as they are performing the surgery, and that you might work a miracle through his hands and, and through that hospital, allowing that child to have a recovery that is easy, as easy as it can be. Lord, we know you are a wonderful God of miracles, and we pray for this today. We pray for that family and for that child. Lord, we thank you for everything you've done so far and what you will continue to do in our lives. Amen. Matthew chapter 19 verses 1 through 12. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judah to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning their Creator made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together let no one separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wife because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, If this is the situation between a husband and a wife, is it better not to marry? Jesus replied, Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others, and there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. Matthew, chapter 19, verses 1 through 12. Nothing in the Bible happens in a vacuum. Today, we have a tendency to believe that Jesus' teachings were by themselves, that there wasn't any other influence on him. And while it's true that his teaching was unique, he did speak into a very particular society. Even Jesus' teachings were swayed by the people around him in the particular way that he answered. They were influenced by the politics of the time. Now, this does not mean that Jesus was political. In fact, I think Jesus wasn't political. But it means that certain answers that he gives to questions, like this one, meant certain things to the people back then. And we can see this today as well. Uh, there are certain things that may not be political, but when you talk about them, they can seem that way. If I'm talking about a living wage or about healthcare here in the United States, that can seem political, right? I can't discuss it without leading into some larger debate about Republicans or Democrats. It's all seen in a political mindset. And this question in particular had that same political context, particularly between two rabbinical schools, the school of Hillel and the school of Shammai. These were the two largest and most influential schools that taught to rabbis who became Pharisees. They were a lot like colleges in the fact that they taught to rabbis Uh, the law and the prophets and the books of wisdom, but they also influenced the rest of society. And there was a lot of disagreements between these two schools. Uh, Shammie's school was seen as more conservative, while Hillel's school was seen as more liberal. And this question particularly talks about the differences between these two schools, because the school of Shammie thought that divorce was only allowed in the case of unfaithfulness or adultery. Uh, They got this interpretation from looking at the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 24, verse 4. They thought that indecency was only being unfaithful. The school of Hillel, however, thought that someone could divorce their wife for anything that they thought was indecent. Uh, Particularly, they described burning a meal as grounds for divorce. The Pharisees, as a group, were part of both of these schools of thought. And often, when Jesus talks to the Pharisees, this divided group would be the one that he's talking to. But as you can see from this scripture, it isn't the Pharisees, but instead some Pharisees. And this is an important distinction that scholars have discussed for quite a long time, because some of the early manuscripts of the Gospel of Matthew include the word the, but most include this word some, making it seem as if these Pharisees were part of one school or the other, which makes this question come into a much greater context. I imagine that they may not have been discussing divorce at all. Imagine this same question about a living wage or about health care among a group of senators coming to Jesus. If the senators were from one party or the other, Republicans or Democrats, they wouldn't be asking this question so much to find the answer as to see whose side Jesus was on. This question wasn't a true question, but it was a trap. Which makes A whole lot of sense when we look at the very first sentence we saw here. Uh, This chapter, in many ways, begins the march toward Jerusalem, the march toward Calvary, because Jesus has left the land of Galilee and is returning to the region of Judah, uh, particularly the one on the other side of the Jordan. That last chapter when he left Galilee was the very last time he was in Galilee until the resurrection. And as he was leaving Galilee, large crowds followed him and were healed. I mean, think about the publicity that must have surrounded Jesus as he was followed by this great multitude of people coming to him with illnesses and possession and finding themselves healed. A great number of people must have had their burdens lifted from them as they could see once again, and they could go back to their families, enjoy life without pain. Think about all the good things that were happening. But yet, the Pharisees didn't come to talk about that, did they? They didn't care about the healings. They came to ask him about his politics, to see if he agreed with them or if he didn't. And I think that fits pretty well into our modern context, right? I mean, everyone's talking about politics today. I saw a job posting the other day online uh, where someone particularly asked that one political group need not apply. Now, it was a random sales job. It had nothing to do with political affiliation, but yet uh, the owner of this company didn't want anyone who disagreed with him to work with him even though it had nothing to do with the job. And we live in this incredibly divided world where people feel as if they cannot extend compassion or friendship to people who disagree with them. People care about who you vote for and not really who you are. They don't care about the good work you're doing, just whether you're politically with them, Or against them. And this isn't my words. It's not my words at all. If we look at what Jesus said, we can see his answer. They asked him about divorce, very particularly. But instead of saying simply it was lawful or it wasn't, instead, Jesus went into a discussion about humanity saying in the beginning man and woman were made, and that when they came together in union they were no longer two but instead one flesh, unified in God. And this makes Jesus' point clear, right? Jesus is not for divorce. In fact, we saw that earlier in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus has already been quite clear that no one should get divorced on any grounds other than unfaithfulness. And that for whatever happens, we should try to stay together, uh, to be one with God. But Jesus doesn't focus on divorce. He focuses on the Scripture on joining two together, not politically, but spiritually. He's not getting into that political mess. He's not wading into those waters. He He's above politics. He's about faith. But the Pharisees They don't like that answer, do they? They want him to pick a side to see if he's against them or for them. So again, they say, then why did Moses say that a man should give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? They really, really want to trap Jesus. But Jesus doesn't get trapped because he's above all of this. He says, yes, Moses said this because You are hard of hearts. If you are a faithful person, then why would you need it? And then he goes even further, saying if you really are so concerned about divorce, then maybe you shouldn't get married. Because if you are worried about divorce before you've ever even tied the knot, well, then you're not going into it for the right reasons. And in fact, maybe you Pharisees deserve to be celibate. Frankly, after seeing these Pharisees wandering through the desert asking Jesus all of these trap questions, I wouldn't want to be married to them either. <laughs> I mean, if your partner keeps asking you questions that have no good answer, uh, they don't seem like much of a partner. Jesus here is saying that we should operate in good faith. He's not trying to take anything away from anyone. I mean, he's made it clear his point of view on divorce and the sanctity of marriage, but he's saying here that your heavenly pursuits should be more important, and that this question is nothing more than a small political fight, one that reminds me the politics of our day mean nothing to the timeline of eternity. I mean, no one cares much at all between these two schools, right? <laughs> these two rabbinical schools, the chamois and the Hillel, uh, don't have any influence on our modern politics, even though they were quite influential back then. Uh, these Pharisees may have been all encompassed by this debate every moment of their lives in the same way that senators today might be ingrained in the political debate of our time. But it doesn't matter in the timeline of eternity. What Republicans and Democrats are debating about today will make no difference 300 years from now. Christianity has been here long before the United States was ever a country. And frankly, Christianity would still be here if the United States stopped existing right now. In our lives, we have to realize that our faith is eternal, and small disagreements on political matters don't have any place in the church. You can have Republicans and Democrats worship in the same church together. You can have liberals and conservatives worship in the same church together. I know it might seem crazy, but, but that is faith. These divisions are ones that we have created not ones that Jesus spoke into existence. These divisions will not be here when Jesus comes back. Next week, we are going to talk about the parable of the workers in the vineyard. One of my favorites because it can be seen as a quite economic parable, but it it has a practical and a spiritual nature that is deeper than just the economic one. So please uh, make sure you tune in again next week. As always, if you have any questions over the material or any prayer requests, please email me at bibleperiodbourbon at gmail.com. And while it's true that Jesus drank wine, an occasional glass is different than an addiction. If you need help, please seek it. If you need help but don't know where to look, please reach out to me and I'll be happy to guide you. Blessings, everyone.